When we spoke this week, it was nearly midnight in Berlin, but their youngest child was still awake. She does this, Troy said. She refuses to sleep and she just wanders around the flat. They all stay up later than we do and they get up earlier. I don't understand. Troy is my oldest close friend. We went to high school together and it's simply a friendship that stuck. When we were young, he was explicit. He wasn't gonna be tied down. He wasn't gonna own property or have a family. He traveled the world while I stayed more or less at home. But it's Troy who's making his way through this pandemic with a family in a place they own, everyone working and schooling from home where the three kids share a small bedroom and his spouse tries to sleep while the youngest runs through the midnight apartment with a stuffed animal, while the numbers in Germany spike and there are not nearly enough vaccines being given yet. He was shocked to hear that I and many clergy friends and many of you are now completely vaccinated or will be soon. This will sound ridiculous, he said, but I've been looking at like, chateaus in France, thinking maybe we could buy one and move there. I told him I didn't think it sounded ridiculous at all. I said, everyone I know is fantasizing or has fantasized about some, big ver some version of the big change, the big escape, the big do-over. I've just been, I don't know, unhappy or discontent since maybe Christmas. Every day I do the same things. And, and every day when I wake up for just a moment, I feel okay. And, and then I remember that I have to do all the exact same things all day that I've been doing for months. I don't know, Rebecca, he said, it's like moment to moment things are good, but the underlying happiness isn't there. And that description I told him sounded familiar from my own life, from other conversations this week. And as of now, from Ecclesiastes, the sun rises and the sun goes down, it hurries to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and to the north, round and round goes the wind, all the streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full, everything's wearisome. More than one can express, the eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. Ecclesiastes gets a bad rap. This week I read commentators and preachers call it skeptical, dissenting, pessimistic, depressing, the author a cynic with a Charlie Brown worldview. But I, as ever, I find it relaxing. I find it kind of a relief like a book that's more or less smack in the middle of the Bible, asking in endless repetitive ways, what is the point? And how can we know? And if God is God, why do evil people flourish and good people suffer? And again, what is the point? And how can we know? And if... When Troy described his sense that moment to moment, things are good, but the big picture is a little bleak, it sounded so familiar that I almost started crying. What a relief to hear that I am not alone in a cycle of questions in the middle of what is largely a very good life. The sun rises and it sets. I make coffee and I clean the coffee maker. I make bread and I wipe the flour off of everything. I wash the kitchen floor and it gets dirty again. Everything is wearisome more than I can express. Mind you, it's not bad necessarily, moment to moment. I mean, often it's quite good. 
just wearisome. All during this year, whenever I heard about someone changing jobs or making a move, I felt such excitement for them. A little bit of envy. Lucky you, I'd say in one way or another. Congratulations. Big change has been hard to come by. And it turns out that the weariness of living without regular new beginnings, that's like a known recognizable psychological effect. Or at least the op opposite of that weariness is a known psychological phenomenon. Maybe some of you stumbled on this story in the last couple of weeks as well. It's called the fresh start effect. The fresh start effect is a story that apparently usually gets annual play around the new year because that's obviously culturally one of our big fresh start moments. A moment that strikes us as a chance to start again, to after some reflection change behaviors or take on something new. On one hand, it's super obvious, the whole new year, new you rhetoric that per permeates January advertising. On the other hand, why should a turn of the calendar page mean anything to us at all? It was so obvious this new year, like more obvious than usual, that it is completely arbitrary and really objectively shouldn't, doesn't do that much. The yearning for January 1 was so palpable and widespread this year. And it was just as widely pushed back on. Nothing's going to change. There's still going to be a pandemic. The president will still be the president. He'll still be lying about the election. We'll still be parenting and schooling and working from home. The sun will rise. The sun will set. And we yearned. The fresh start effect says that we rely on these arbitrary moments, like the general ones like New Year's, but also it turns out personal ones like birthdays and even small, super regular ones like Monday mornings. We rely on them to provide a shot of energy, a sense of hope and possibility, a clean slate, a do-over. And while they may be arbitrary in the strictest sense, I mean, even though nothing changed between December 31 and January 1st, the fresh start effect is real, apparently. That's what the studies say. People do start to save money or stop smoking or do things they haven't done before or stop doing things they've always done. So it starts at these points on the calendar, but the fresh start effect also happens when some big external change happens, a new job or a new apartment. Even the studies show when something like a transit strike alters the way people get to work. The fresh start effect is a ripple effect. And for so many of us, for so long, we have been in very still waters. No ripples at all. When I started to do a deeper dive on the fresh start effect, I ended up listening to an old episode of a podcast called The Happiness Lab. It's all about the science of happiness. And on my way to hearing from the PhD who named the fresh start effect, and she did acknowledge that she really just added the word effect, uh, I got to hear the host's introduction. 
She said, we're marking the beginning of a whole new decade with at least a few tips about how to make the most of this new year and beyond practical tips to help us harness the power of the new year in order to make positive changes in our lives. If you're ready to feel better, then join me, Dr. Lori Santos, for the Happiness Lab 2020. I just burst out laughing with like maybe a tiny edge of hysteria. I mean, I know, I know it's silly. It's silly. No one knew, but still like the happiness lab 2020. Anyway, in terms of fresh start effect, the kind of do over headspace that comes to us free of charge via the calendar or our work schedule or the school year or travel or holidays or transit strikes that change our route to the office. In terms of all that, many of us have been living in one long, undifferentiated 13 month long week that started last month. No wonder Troy is dreaming of moving to France. The author of Ecclesiastes, Moment to Moment, has it very good. Pleasure, food and family and friends, rest and relaxation, good work, but it's all meaningless. The underlying big picture is pretty static, pretty still water. What they hear is, hmm. what they see is unsatisfying. Someone like our poet, Mary Oliver, is by personality and long practice profoundly sensitive to the wonder of the world. For someone like Mary Oliver to tell us, pay attention, well, fine. Of course, she thinks it's one of three instructions for living a life. Mary Oliver is interested in everything. She's amazed like every time she goes for a walk in a field or down a city street. We learned a story about her this year where Mary Oliver stopped on Michigan Avenue to notice and to pick up what was left of a dead pigeon. I mean, Mary Oliver has perhaps an uncommon ability and tendency to pay attention. So fine, fine for Mary Oliver, eyes all wide with astonishment to tell us to pay attention. I mean, fine even for me to tell you what I find beautiful or meaningful, to tell you what draws my attention. Fine, I'm just not sure that at this moment, 13 months into this week, telling anyone to pay attention is that helpful. Just look around you. The world is full of wonders. I'm not sure that at this moment when we are so weary and the eye is so unsatisfied that it's helpful advice. Here's a thing that I find beautiful and meaningful. I go and walk in the woods, ideally without seeing any other people, ideally without hearing any traffic from a nearby highway. On Monday, I could both hear the highway and I did run into other people, just disappointing. But I walked long enough and far enough that the traffic noise got faint. I was walking through a woods that was crisscrossed with paths alongside and then cutting back and forth across a little creek. I walked over the stream multiple times on logs and each time I imagined what a huge pain in the neck it would be if I fell and broke my ankle. The birds were letting rip. It was golden hour and the light lay sideways through a largely open underbrush with bright green things carpeting the ground, soaking up all the sun that's theirs now before the trees leaf out. The tree frogs, the tree peepers were having at it, mostly on the north side of the trail, which I noticed. I passed multiple trees, large trees with hollow centers and multiple trees with hollow centers that seemed like they'd also been burned at one point. 
maybe someone made a fire in the hollow base or maybe it wasn't a fire at all. I stopped and crouched down to look into them to see how far up in the tree I could see. One tree I looked at was alive, one was dead. I noticed that on this kind of walk, I look at what I want to look at. Normally I'm a pretty curious person. I mean, I'm no Mary Oliver, but I'm pretty curious. But I don't always feel comfortable stopping and investigating when I'm with others. What a pleasure to poke around a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know if it'd be a pleasure for you. I'm not sure it would be helpful for me to tell you to go take a walk in the woods and listen to tree peepers. I'm not sure frogs would make you think with love of the person who first drew your attention to them, who told you they're one of the first signs of spring. Instead, I think of our other poem, those math students letting their eyes go hazy while the teacher explains the problems. Their eyes hazy while or until a grand piano dangles in midair eight floors up. Their eyes hazy while or until again, the first snowfall of the year, the snow falls, the snow melts round and round it goes, but each first time, a fresh start that compels the students eyes wide to rush to the window. They have not listened to the advice of some poet, some preacher to pay attention. They have followed their bodies to the window to watch the snow falling and to hope the piano doesn't. We have a fresh start coming or maybe it's already here, I don't know, that's part of the problem. It's not a clear, fresh start, not a clean one. It's not arbitrary enough to be crisp. It's not here enough to have started. It's not enough in the past that it has started yet. It's... We have the after, after the vaccine, or maybe it's after going back to school, or maybe it's after there's herd immunity, or after we can sing together, or after we can hug each other again. So far this week, all vaccinated up, I'm up to three hugs, three people I haven't hugged in a year. We have this fresh start coming, but it's not a clear, clean, crisp one. It's not an easy one. I've been having so many conversations with people about our feelings as things start to open back up. There's so much hope and anticipation, but there's also fear and trepidation and anxiety people who aren't ready to hang out indoors yet, even with vaccinations. It just doesn't feel right yet in their bodies. People who are wondering which of their relationships will have survived the pandemic whenever after is really here. People worried about their schedules filling up again, noticing that they kind of liked the slower pace. But the fresh start is coming or or it's here or it's already happening. And what may be helpful, for me at least, is to notice what compels me to the windows of my life, what captures my attention so that I stop and crouch down or look up. What do I worry about? What do I resent as it comes back online? What do I wonder if I'll miss? What do I think I've learned? Just like New Year's, I'm drawn to the big questions, even though I know, I know, there's nothing new under the sun. 
It's about 6.15 in the evening in Berlin now. Troy has spent another day in the flat with his exhausted partner and their three kids. Maybe they went to a park. The kids will stay up late tonight. The little one will run around until she collapses in the middle of some floor while Troy will, where Troy will find her and pick her up, trying, trying not to wake her as he carries her to bed. In the morning, he'll wake up and he'll feel good for a moment. And then he'll remember that he's got to do it all over again. The sun rises, the sun sets. The windows in their apartment overlook a square. They're flat a few floors up from a cafe that normally has tables and umbrellas out on the sidewalk. The windows are that European kind, no screens, the ones that swing open like doors instead of sliding up. I hope that sometime in the middle of all the work and weariness, he follows his body to the window. I hope he notices what draws him there the sunlight or the handful of people in the plaza. I hope that he pays attention to where his gaze is drawn, to the middle distance or beyond, in his mind's eye, even to France. A fresh start is coming, or it's here, or it's underway. For him, for me, for us, moment, by moment, by moment.